Today's episode was sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. From business to web development to art and productivity, Skillshare can help you take the next step in your learning journey. Personally, we've been loving Thomas Frank's Productivity Masterclass. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Swisspreneur. The first 1,000 people to use our link will get a free trial of the Skillshare Premium Membership. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Swisspreneur. Enjoy the show! Timing is the most important thing, really. You can launch anything anytime. If it's the wrong timing, it doesn't work. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Leif, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. It's nice being here. You are the co-founder of Fluid Focus. That's the company behind Focus Water, a vitamin water that is perfectly the alternative drink, basically, standing between a boring sip of water and the overwhelmingly sweet fizzy drinks that you know from Coca-Cola and others. So we want to talk about your story, how you built up that company and then eventually sold it. We want to start with your personal background. You studied economies uh, and international relations at the University of St. Gallen, and then also had plans to work for the UN. But eventually you ended up at Red Bull. So what went wrong, or better said, what went right with your plan to work for the UN, and then you ended up at Red Bull? Well, I had finished studies, and I was uh, not yet really looking for a job, but I was starting to look for it. And a friend called me up. Uh, he was working at the ad agency. He was account manager for McDonald's back in the days at the Lee Burnett agency. And he told me, Leif, uh, there's, there's a Red Bull is coming to Switzerland, finally. And uh, they look for someone to do the promotions, to organize those mini Coopers for the sampling girls. And they look for someone to do the summer job. So I thought to myself, um, I had known Red Bull already. Uh, we drank it illegally in, in, in Zurich since the early 90s. And I said, oh, that's kind of cool. It could be a cool summer job. I do that for six months until I find a real job. So I went on doing that and um, got stuck for 11 years. Wow. You were employee number 16 at Red Bull. Sounds crazy today. So you were really there from the early days. What was so attractive to then join Red Bull for the longer time, despite just a summer job? What attracted you to that position? Well, the thing was with Red Bull, I mean, it was also a startup back in the days. I mean, Mateschitz, of course, he had already started up his company in Austria. He had started in 86 or 87, I think. And he had already gone through a lot of uh, startup uh, difficulties. Mm-hmm. By the time then he had survived and he had made some business in Austria, um, uh, and we started in Switzerland and Germany and Hungary were the first three markets. We were one guy in Hungary, one in Switzerland, me, and two in Germany, and then a few in Austria. Uh, so the whole thing was a startup um, project, really. Um, but by then, a well-founded, already successful in Austria startup project. And so that was really ultimately what, what attracted me to the whole thing. I mean, there was something going off there. It started up, it had a good dynamic, and it grew rapidly. Um, it was a fantastic time to be joining a, a company like Red Bull because it was the very beginning. 
Absolutely. After a while, when it grew bigger and grew more corporate, it, it grew less interesting for me because I like obviously small startup structures. Yeah. You also mentioned that Red Bull was illegal in Switzerland, mainly because of the high taurine level that was in the drink. I, I think, and or the caffeine level on top of that. And you also said, I think, in an interview that this was actually one of the best marketing boosts that Red Bull uh, experienced. Can you walk us a bit through how that actually helped uh, Red Bull to then gain yeah. new customers? I've got to clarify. I mean, Red Bull was not illegal. It was just not permitted yet, which is not okay. quite the same. And, and the reason was, as you said, the caffeine levels mainly. Uh, Coca-Cola had set the, the level of caffeine in soft drinks. The legal level was just set by Coca-Cola and Red Bull, as we know, has double amount of caffeine. So the law had to be adjusted to that new level, uh, which it, everyone knew was going to happen, but then it finally happened. And um, it happened in 94, in fall 94. But um, before that, uh, the end of the 80s uh, in Austria, it had also been illegal. And, and then it got legalized or it also got permitted in Austria. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it got permitted in Austria, um, not necessarily as a mixer, but it took off also as a mixer, the vodka Red Bull. So the whole uh, word with this uh, magic beverage that is a bit illegal and dangerous uh, spread quickly. And, and um, especially in the eastern part of Switzerland, a lot of kids drove over to Austria on the weekend and, and, and bought cases of Red Bull and sold them in the streets of, of Zurich even. I remember my first Red Bull that I drank. Uh, we we um, came out of a club and in front of the club um, there was like, a, as usual, it's all kind of dealers and they all, one offered a gram of hash for 10 francs, the other one was on pills for 10 francs, the third one had a Red Bull for 10 francs. You know. <laughs> So we said to his friends, uh, well, well, let's, let's try something else for a change, you know. And then we bought the Red Bull for 10 francs and we drank a sip and we passed it around like a joint, you know. And, and say, oh, you feel something? Yeah, I think so. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so that was the hype. And that was yeah. in 90, 90 or 91. And that went on then until the beginning of 95 for every weekend. And it just grew in the, in the party scene and illegal bars and every that you find Red Bull. And uh, I still think that's uh, hype. Then when it finally got to Switzerland, it took off like a rocket. And without that hype having been built um, by itself for five years, it would never have taken off. And it's a hype that you could never have, have planned or bought with marketing dollars. It just really happened. The best thing that could happen to us, to, to, to Red Bull. Yeah. That's a great story. I, I think just to put that into perspective, you know how everything started. And then you also mentioned that, you know, it got a bit more corporate and therefore also a bit more uninteresting for you to, to work there. You just stayed for like almost 11 years. What was that like? Like what disturbed you? What was not like a good fit for you? Uh, I think in the prep call, you mentioned to me that you didn't like to have a, a boss or to sort of work for someone else. So walk us a bit through what then led you to leave Red Bull after almost 11 years. Well, at Red Bull, I always had a good time and always had a boss also, so I can work with bosses. Um, <laughs> but I think that the difference is um, 
if you have a, the, the development development of any successful company is that you you start you you grow uh, you have the early stage and then the growth stage and at some point the growth flattens and 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 there is different uh, requirements to to keep the company growing or or keep the high volume up so it doesn't go back so um with the size of a company, structures have to be installed, which is normal. Um, uh, processes have, have to be installed. Controlling has to be installed. Number crunches come in, and 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 uh, it's more a maintaining um, the the uh, a level. And or if you compare it to an architect, you know, it's the different people b- pulling up the walls and setting up a roof than decorating the house, you know. So I feel more comfortable as a, as, as a, as a, as a, to building the walls and to the early stage of company development. And because maybe I'm not a very good number crunch for myself. I don't like, um, analyzing data for days and finding the little detail. I like the, the, the bigger, um, the bigger schemes or bigger ways. Mm-hmm. And how did that feel? You know, were you also getting more a bit frustrated when these number crunching tasks were taking over your your daily work life, basically? Or how did that feel no, back in the day? It's just that, of course, again with a growing company, and it's totally normal. And my bosses were always good, but of course, you spend more time in any big structures with the the, the planning, reporting, politics, and that's just a natural. You know, when you are bigger, you have to plan. Um, when you are more people who want the same or want different, they have different objectives, you right. need the whole politics. And then, of course, you have to do the reporting, you know. So if you start in, and in a fast growing company, when you, when you start planning in April, right. uh, you finish planning in, in mid December. The plan is then sealed for the next year. And then you grow so fast uh, that mid-February, the whole plan you worked on for eight months is already obsolete. You know? right. That happened all the time because you yeah. grew so fast. You know? yeah. So that was stop planning. There's no point because yeah. the growth that we're having, like now with Focus Water, is not planable. You know? right. Of course, you can try to put in numbers and do statistics and all that, but there's no point really. Or I don't like it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Not that I don't like, I, I do like planning, but I, 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 um, in, I prefer fast growth than long planning. Makes sense. So in 2005, you left Red Bull. And I also wonder, you know, as employee number 16, you probably also were incentivized to stay at the company for longer. So my question is, didn't you also leave a lot of money on the table by leaving Red Bull? No, I did not get incentivized. I mean, okay. Mothership was, has always been very, um, he was always very clear on none of the employees ever got any shares. Okay. He uh, has everything. I mean, it's known that, uh, that 51% of the company it belongs to the Thai, a Thai mother company now. And, um, so I guess he gave away more than he wanted long before I started in 95. So he had already gone through that. He didn't want to give away more. Um, so as employee, you are employee. You had a great time. We, we built up the most fantastic uh, um, success story in, in beverages ever, I suppose. I mean, Coca-Cola has a good story too, but it wasn't, it didn't happen as quickly. No, the Red Bull story was very fast, very, very much. So we had a lot of fun. It was a great times. Um, and uh, when I came back then after four years in the US, uh, we moved back with a family to, from LA to Zurich. And uh, they offered a job in Fuschl at the headquarters in Austria, 
but I didn't want to go there for the same reasons I said before. The, 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 the report, the politics and, and Fushl wasn't exactly, you don't go, I didn't want to leave LA to end up in Fushl either. <laughs> Fair know? point. Um, so um, it was good. I thought it was perfect time to leave. 11 years was a good time, a long time. I want to do something else. Um, Red Bull has also involved. I had involved. It was time to just uh, sure. uh, separate, but no hard feelings. Everything was, everything is cool. So it was more like a, a natural involvement, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was just time was ready and it felt right. And I never regretted to have left. Of course, sometimes I had a hardship with the startups I was in. I thought, oh, maybe life would have been easier, nicer yeah. if I had stayed. But then again, I don't, I don't regret at all. Yeah. And uh, it was all friendly and good. And uh, I still look back in a, with a lot of uh, joy to my Red Bull days. Great. And yeah, talking about startups, until 2011, you have been involved in, in two different startups, both in some way related to the beverage industry, but none of those actually ended up working out big time. And when we did the prep call, you mentioned to me that you actually had so many learnings that you took away from that period of these two startups. So please share a bit more about what you took away from the lessons uh, that you, when you were working on your own startups during that time. Well, generally speaking, as I said in the, in the prep call also, is that um, I really believe you learn more or you learn faster by mistakes made than the success stories. You know, to, to surf the Red Bull wave, I mean, Red Bull worked very well, but it wasn't because of me only, for sure not, not even because of me at all, maybe. But it was, we did a good job, uh, but the, the Red Bull wave was rolling and we were surfing it and we made the wave uh, look better. And, and uh, it was, it was, it was a perfect times. And I, I think a lot of people did a good job to build up the company. People at Red Bull still do a good job keeping it big, which is a whole different uh, job also. They're fantastic marketeers, fantastic people. Um, but then the two startups, uh, which were much shorter, the first startup I was in uh, was, was one and a half years and the second one about two years, um, taught me different things and, and taught me how hard it is when you don't have the, the, to stay with the metaphor of the wave, you don't have a wave pushing you uh, to still move forward, you know, that's much harder. And, and it taught me that, um, to avoid some basic mistakes. I don't know if you know the two startups. The first was a, a well-funded, uh, two corporate guys, big, with big experience, creating a new energy drink, a natural, uh, a natural biology, uh, organic energy drink. Mm -hmm. And, um, which was, uh, good to, uh, of course, the Red Bull users and the new lifestyle of health and sustainability. Mm -hmm. Um, the problem was it was, it was um, done for the new lives of health, uh, health sustainability and the Red Bull users, but it didn't really hit anyone. So the, the Red Bull use energy users, they thought it was too healthy, too taste weird, yeah. weird taste. And the people that, the Lohas, as we call them in the beginning of the century, um, they thought the category energy drinks was not interesting for them. So at the end of the day, we had a product that was perfect for both, but no one liked it because it was a... Which really was, um, um, I think the positioning of the product was just wrong at the time. We underestimated it and, and, um, it's, it's really something that I think before you start spending a lot of money and we then spent a lot of money. We had big investors. We had a, a, a high burn rate and, and in any business, I think it's really important in the beginning to, 
to well, the cash flow. Everyone knows cash flow is the most important uh, one, single most important thing. It's the oxygen of your company. It's basically. the oxygen of the company. And until then, I wasn't aware because at Red Bull, we had so much oxygen all the time. It was just unreal, you know. It was uh, b- 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 trying investing millions and try to invest them well into good marketing schemes. But but the oxygen itself was never really an issue. And, and here it was different. And especially what I think lots of companies do wrong, they... Uh, they burn a lot of oxygen or, or so they fuel the, the, on, on, on things that they could have seen it's not going to work. So basically to first do small steps, create small fires, mm-hmm. see if the fire really burns, uh, if it's burned sustainably and, and if there's enough wood to, and then put the fuel on the fire to make the forest burn, so to speak, you know, to, again, talking in a metaphor, you know, sure. to start small fires and, and the small fires are cheap, but, but if you know it, they burn without just gas, um, then you have something to, 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 to work with. If a fire only burns because of the gas, then um, uh, as soon as the gas is burned up, uh, the whole thing is gone and there is no wood to, to keep it sustainable. So that's, I think, something that we, we, we were burning too much, too fast, we're wrong, wrong. We were too arrogant. Um, uh, we thought we knew what we we're doing. We were, we did, we had done Red Bull, uh, the other guy had done other things. We highly decorated, uh, successful managers starting a, a venture. The investors believed us. It all sounded really cool. Um, but it totally flopped, you know, and, and that was just like, uh, whoa, how could that happen? How could we not see that? And it was the arrogance, uh, towards, um, the market or the arrogance that that showed us that and being humble that any startup that the failures teach you humbleness and i think it's important to be and stay humble with every every uh, business you start fully agree how do you then re- recover from that failure uh, you know some people might say that was it i will never go back into the startup land again you did the opposite you then uh, you know joined the second company and also worked there so how did you then you know just like say hey i'm not giving up I want to learn from what went wrong and still continue uh, in the startup world. Well, as I said, even the, the whole Red Bull story was somewhat a little bit of a startup too, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, small structures, fast development, um, uh, little uh, controlling because of the fast growth, you know, as long as you grow fast, no one, you don't need any sure. controlling. You know, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's really <laughs> growing, you know. So it's much, you always look for that then. And, and uh, so after the Red Bull times, I had 11 great years. I wanted basically to, to replic- replicate the same feeling, but on my own. And, and um, I wasn't financially too involved in that company. I had worked three years at the agency and then joined my ex-boss at Red Bull, who founded the company, who had raised all the money, who, who then eventually burned all the money too. But I, I, I then sw- went to join him. And, um, but as an employee, I had some shares in there, but I didn't take a big loss personally. You know? okay. So I just, it was just over when the money was out, the oxygen was burnt and no can sold. We got into cope. We were really, we, 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 everything was right. There was just one problem. The consumer didn't dig the product, you know, and, and, that we could do go do so go so far raise all the money and and do everything right and get into co-op even and then realize the consumer doesn't like it that was just uh, still un- unbelievable that it could happen but it happened 
how would you avoid that today, you know, to really think about how can you get the customer feedback and, and get more certainty that the customer will actually buy that product before you invest heavily, raise funds and go into COP to actually avoid that, that sort of mistake? Is there any trick or anything that you would do differently on that regard? Well, if you have the time and the money, you do more research about the product and you test it uh, with the panels or whatever a little bit but I'm more I'm more um, you have to walk around with your product and with your idea and and also especially with the beverages with the content uh, that people try and what we really did then too besides being arrogant or we were also arrogant enough to not not hear feedbacks openly you know mm-hmm. in German uh, you say you lie into your pocket uh, basically you, you hear what you want to hear and and you don't hear what you should hear you know people tell you say hey do you like it no one's gonna say no nah, it sucks and most people don't say that because they're friendly or they don't want to give you uh, they don't want to like uh, rain on your parade so to speak so they they don't tell you openly hey, look th- this is not good you know forget it you know they say you should what do you mean you should really try to look for the negative and 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 uh, because you often don't get honest opinions openly so i think be more self-critical critical and listen to the negative voices and and be more um uh, ask for the really dig for negative negative stuff mm-hmm. to be sure there isn't any not just like everything looks nice. Uh, oh, yeah, good. <laughs> and you know yeah. there's a tomb underneath. True. But I think this is also especially true for Switzerland because people don't want to offend other people. They want to have a good relationship. So they're probably not going to tell you the, the things that they don't like up front. So you really have to think about the setup, how you will get that feedback. Possibly, yeah. Um, even in America, even more, I would say people okay. don't uh, are friendlier. You know, they, don't, they would never say anything that offends you. Right. I think the Swiss are more direct, they would say yeah. it. Maybe the Germans are even more direct, they True. just give yeah. you the, the shit right away. Yeah. But you just have to be uh, humble and, and open to, and, and be open to neg- negative f- feedback and not uh, glorify your baby. Um, your baby is the most beautiful in the world, but, but then everybody else <laughs> thinks it's ugly. You know? That's, that right. should not happen. Yeah. So now let's move forward to 2011, when you founded Fluid IMD with your co-founder, Konrad. Uh, First of all, I would like to know how you met your co-founder, Konrad Weiss, and why he was the perfect co-founder. Well, he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) But he went well, anyway. No, we were studying together. We were both in St. Gallen. We studied, not that we didn't study the same... uh, um, um, we didn't study together, but we lived together in Vege, in, a, in a, how do you say that in English? A shared apartment. A shared apartment for a, a year about. We were at a lot of parties together. We drank a lot of beer together. We did a lot of um, things together. Um, but then I hadn't seen him for a few years. And um, the second startup we didn't talk about now, this, the Caps, uh, he was investing into that. And, okay. and he was investing into that under the condition that I would... St- start there as a, as a, as a CEO mm-hmm. and I would start there as a CEO if he invested. So we got into that project together and that's how we, we came together again. That whole project um, exploded because of uh, fraud allegations, you know, the owner or oh. the, 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 the guy, he was um interesting story. Also, I learned, you know, that the, the due diligence, before you go into something, really look at things because there's lots of guys out there, they they're just not um, not honest, you know. That's uh, if you're not if you're a uniquely honest person, it surprises you that people can just 
be so dishonest, you know. So the guy had basically uh, patented uh, the whole system, but on his own name and not on the company. Mm. So he had three investors that put in a million each, and and the company was totally worthless, and he wouldn't um, put the patents, which was the only value of the company, uh, into the company. And um, so, anyway, so that whole thing um, went uh, south, and then I had always. <clears throat> Already, as uh, before, I started with Ixo, the energy drink at the agency. I always thought about um, creating a company. I want then, uh, then wanted to call it LSD, lifestyle distribution. Mm -hmm. So that the theory was that if you, that if you uh, if you have a good product and if you distribute it at the right spot, um, the distribution itself makes marketing and it creates sales. And you don't have to um, do any marketing anymore because, like, uh, the, the product can grow on its own into wherever it grows because it's well well placed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and and so that idea had been around for a long time. So after the whole um, cap thing uh, with the fraud thing um, happened, uh, Conrad and I we we I, I told him, well, let's start a new company. Um, I know he had already he had probably well he invested quite some money. The right. thing didn't go well, but it's not dead yet either. So I mean, it's not lost money, but still. And I had the opportunity to take over the distribution for a, a smoothie in Switzerland. And I don't know if, it, if it's here the my smoothie. Um, well, it's a smoothie in a tetra pack. Oh, here it is. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know that one. This nice. One. So we could take over the distribution of that one. It's a Swedish uh, girl that founded it. She lives in Switzerland and, and uh, I knew her. And they were uh, taking the whole European operations out of Switzerland back mm -hmm. to Sweden. And they looked for somebody to, to take care of distribution in Switzerland. Right. So we started off as a distribution company. I told us the company, look, we have, um, we have, uh, there's a product. They sell half a million of those. Mm -hmm. There's a running business. Let's just take that and build on that. Sure. So we start with smoothie and we, we make a distribution company that imports and sells products in Switzerland, creative products. So creative meaning a natural and functional products. Those two a little bit, you know. So next to Swiss fridge 10 years ago, there was still only Coca, Fanta, Sprite, Rivella, Red Bull, water, iced tea. Orange juice, maybe. And there was nothing else, you know. So there was a very few beverages, and, and, and so we started importing. The fluid IMD is, is um, the IMD stands for Innovation Marketing Distribution. So back to the lifestyle distribution. So it's, it all kind of, kind of came together. We started to, to um, export, to import as Marley Melamood, a relaxation ring, we had some, some, um, beverages that were um, hangover cures. Mm -hmm. We had some uh, vitamin-infused um, uh, beverages, smoothies, uh, whatever. So we had a few beverages. And, and um, after my time in the US, when I worked for Red Bull, mm -hmm. I said, we have to have a vitamin water. It's very important because the vitamin water in the US is huge. 2007, Coke acquired um, Glasso for a 4.2 billion. Um, well, it's somewhere for two, four billion. So the Glasso people, here it is. Yes. This one got yeah. acquired by Coke for, 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 for four billion. I thought we need a vitamin water. So I was talking back then to our friends from Sweden, to those guys and to import the Swedish product in 2011. 
I was talking to them because so you were talking to import the vitamin well water yeah. from Sweden. So I had a choice between either I do vitamin well as an import product, mm-hmm. or uh, a beverage distributor in Switzerland said, "Hey, there's those focus water guys in Switzerland. In Switzerland. And they, they're two bankers. They don't know what they're doing, but they have a they have a brand, and it's not bad. And maybe you should talk to them." So I talked to the two bankers, and they had found the um, the original focus water that looked like this, and. Um, so they found the company in 2009. Mm-hmm. They basically failed. They got it into into uh, Migrolino and, and they got it into Manor. Um, and I remember having drunk this also and I saw it in gas station the first time. I, I thought, oh cool, finally vitamin water in Switzerland because I drank those this product a lot when I was yeah. in the US because you can't drink two liters of Red Bull every day. <laughs> Even though I drank a lot of Red Bull over 11 years. So I, I took a sip of this product and I spit it out. It was disgusting, you know. And, and then it was really undrinkable with full of sucralose. It, it tastes really not good. And so I met those guys finally and, and they had like more or less failed because the product wasn't good, you know. So, so we then, instead of this importing and distributing those guys, we made a deal with with those guys and and said okay we take over the brand we you stay in a little bit because you found the brand we take it over the baby we, we adopt the baby we we make heart surgery basically we, we change everything that's inside we had a new new um, content producer uh, which through my cat business that I did before I got to know those Dörler, you know the the, the the producers of the of the content mm-hmm. so actually the, that that failure with the with the, that, that startup before led to the know-how that I needed to do this <laughs> so it all kind of happens you know yeah. anyway so we created new new, new content with no superlows which was well balanced and all that and a new label and we relaunched this one instead of importing and doing this one. Those guys came five years later. and, and um, But of course, I never regretted either. It was a good decision. It's better to have your own brand. So we, we then became, the vitamin water worked really well. Um, unlike some of the relaxation drinks or or, hard, hard, or, 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 or um, hangover cures or whatever. So we basically slowly shifted from a import distribution business that was planned into a own brand um, own uh, marketing company you know? and and the whole import products we still do this but not really or we didn't it's not the focus it, anymore it, it, the focus totally switched yeah and in in the beginning that wasn't intended you know we were really trying to import uh, and and distribute and we became uh, own own brand company you see it in the name right distribution was the real focus at the first at the beginning yeah, yeah. so let me just focus on two decisions that you made so first you decided to not import vitamin well uh, and, and instead decided to then go for focus water and and actually Mm-hmm. make a partnership with them and, and you know launch that in Switzerland or relaunch that in Switzerland yeah. why did you decide to to stick to your own product then instead of uh, importing vitamin well like what were were the deal terms bad or what led you to that decision no but I mean <clears throat> the, the, the being an importer or distributor is always it's tough you know to to launch a beverage in the in the in the in the marketplace, in any marketplace, because the fridges are all full. If you want to get into any fridge, someone else has to get out, you know, and, and the people that get out, um, they usually are there longer and they have more money than you have with new products. So it's always hard 
and and, and unlike you you really hit the sweet spot with um, and the product has its really own dynamic so I would say a Red Bull distributor that started in the in the late 90s in Europe um, there was so much dynamic in the brand that you could as a distributor just take it on and and basically surf the, the, the wave would push you there too but right. usually that's not how it works yeah. usually it's like you have to pedal hard and and so if you go through the ordeal of building a, a brand or a product into a market, which is a lot, a lot of work, mm. it's better it's your own than, than having a, a brand owner tell who gives you thank you very much, and right. we do it ourselves. So basically the decision was um, um, like those guys had sold to Coke. Uh, the plan was also, well, if you have our own brand, maybe one day we can sell it. If we build this one big, we make maybe a lot of money, but sure. we'll never have any anything to sell. Yeah, you don't have any upside. There's right? no upside, exactly. Yeah. Even though the guy who does that down in Switzerland, I mean, he, they sell a lot, and I'm sure, sure he makes good money, you know, no, yeah. no question. But no upside. But no upside. Yeah. Got it. Before we continue with the show, we'd like to introduce you to Swisspreneur's main partner, Clara Business, the digital all-in-one solution for small businesses. Managing internal processes manually and on paper wastes an incredible amount of time. That's why Clara digitizes everything, allowing you to focus on what really matters, your core business. Go to clara.ch to find out how your business administration can be simpler, faster, and more efficient. Again, that's clara.ch. And now, on with the show. And then the decision to, you know, find a deal, strike a deal with the existing Focus Water versus creating a new brand and a new product from scratch. Why did you decide to use and build on top of an existing product that you spit out and didn't really seem to like? Yeah, that was a mistake, actually. I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, mistake. The brand is good. Focus Water is a cool brand. And they created that. And I still think it's a great, great brand. Um, but the main reason, I mean, you could, we could also have created our own, an, an own brand that is cool. Maybe, sure. well, maybe not as cool as Focus Water, but something could have been thought of. Um, the reason why we, why we, um, uh, we, we went to Focus Water because they had distribution in, they were in Migrolino and they were in Manor. And there was already like, uh, when we, when we made a deal, there was already 200, 250, 300,000 bottles in sales. Okay. So we thought, okay, we can start then with a basis. And when we made a deal, I didn't, I hadn't known, I didn't like the product that says that I spit it out and we changed everything. But a lot of people had already tried it and, and they had sold in, but, but there was no repurchasing rate. Sure. So because people didn't like the product, because right? Because didn't like the product. And I underestimated that. Yeah. So um, not only were we, so, so what we thought was a good thing, we were in, 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 in Manor and Migrolino, turned out to be a bad thing because we got kicked out of Manor and Migrolino. Not short, not short after we, uh, or short after we, we made a deal. And to get back into something when, where you got kicked out before is took me five years before I got it back into Migrolino. So the whole, what we thought was a good thing, um, big turned out to be not such a good thing. Besides the fact that we, of course, had to give away over the shares. They still, they, they still had shares in the company. Sure. But by the time we then, uh, we had still made it and, and after the heart surgery and the new product and we had convinced everybody, look, it's new, it's good now and blah, blah. By that time, it, it has grown too big and we were already going with focus. So uh, then it was too late to change. 
sense. So um, yeah, that was um, would have been better to do something new. Basically, you did, you did all the the work that you would have to have to do from scratch, anyways, right? Except for the distribution channels, yeah. but there you basically took one step forward and two steps back. Exactly. That was a mistake. That um, well, it worked out anyway. But uh, sure. it's stupid to look back and say but that. I should have done differently. It's also a great story to share now. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm also wondering about the deal that you stroke with the Focus Water people. So did you just give them any shares as an upside in the, in the new company or did you pay them any cash or how did that deal look like? No, they uh, all to the end, till the exit with Rella, they kept some shares in the, in the, in the okay. company. Because they had, they were the founder. They, they were they created the brand from the beginning, and um, but there was no cash involved or not much cash. No. Okay. No. Because then that's also an important deal part, right? Because if you had to pay a lot of cash, and then you make two steps back in the distribution yeah. part, what you yeah. originally wanted to buy, yeah. that would have no, been no, incredibly they frustrating. Us, they gave us distribution um, um, because we were more competent. They didn't have time or the competence to deal with it. Very nice people, very good people, um, um, still friends. And, but they stayed in the company and they, of course, they had a nice ride. And, and despite their uh, failings in the beginning, we made it. And then it was too late to say, but hey, guys, we made it, not you. Sure. As they said, well, it's still our baby. And then <laughs> we had some five star. You know, okay. Between they, they claiming it's still our baby. And we said, yeah, but we adopted it. Yeah, but it's not yours. And, and so we had to get together for the good sake. And at the end, it all turned out well. But they also got a fair chunk for their original um, uh, um, startup. They also got well paid for that. Sure. How did you come up with the share split? Like how many shares did you decide to give them for the original idea and the brand and the distribution channel? And how much did you still keep yourself approximately? I don't want to say, but they, I mean, we had, uh, Conrad and I had, um, basically we were four big shareholders, that's Conrad and I and those two parties. Okay. They're always two people. Uh, yeah. um, and we all together, we had like 90% um, of the company. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, we have more than half of that. Okay, yeah, um, that's important. We have more than 50% of the, of, the, of the company. Okay. So we could decide, but they had a, a, um, um, a serious chunk still. Okay, yeah. got it. So now let's also look at these early days. You finished a hard searcher, you developed or changed the product, relaunched it, but you still didn't really have a huge marketing budget as you were used to from Red Bull. So how did you market the product in the early days to you know, generate the awareness and get the brand out there to, to generate sales? I think even the only marketing is if you don't have marketing budget and you want to sell a product is the product. You know? That's, that is the marketing. Um, and, and the product has to look good in the fridge. The product has to be appealing. I mean, I guess our, ours could have been better, but, but back then it worked, so whatever. Um, Don't fix it if it ain't broke, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and so, so um, it's really to get out of the product. We were convinced that, and, and what really, well, we're lucky, again, or lucky or not, whatever, but the taste develop, we developed, the products we developed were really tasty, so they were really convincing. So if you have something that, that is attractive enough that people try it, because people are, even Switzerland, open to try new things mm -hmm. sometimes, and they really do that, but then to change the habit is really hard, you know. But if then they try and they drink and they like it, and then they start reading, you know, and they start reading, oh, okay. 
oh, it's made in Switzerland, oh, cool. Oh, it's got little 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 calories. It's yeah. low in calories, cool. Oh, natural flavor is all natural. Oh, vitamins, wow, 100%. And they start reading, they start finding. It gets better whatever. and better. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and now it was good, and it was lots of right reasons. So they buy it again. So I think we were, we were really, what we had from the beginning, a high repurchasing rate. Somebody tries it somewhere, um, he sticks it. Oh, this is good. I like it. I buy it again. And he tells it to somebody. And that one tells it to somebody. So the word of mouth. Uh, so it was only, only, I mean, that's hard enough, a, a thing of getting the product out there uh, and get it available to people so they could try and they could talk about it. And of course, we used a bit events. We sponsored events. Uh, we, uh, we gave away product only. We didn't sure. sponsor any cash. Uh, we gave away product to events, to to people, to opinion leaders. We we uh, we did that marketing below the line, the low cost below the line marketing. You know? But the main thing is really to build up distribution, get into fridges, and then once you are in the fridge, make sure you you'll never leave that fridge again. And that was lucky that the product did most of the job. But of course, also to get into the fridge, if you know the product works and once it's in the fridge, it's going to stay there. You can also invest a little bit to get into the fridge. Okay. The, if I go back to the XO thing, the, the natural F, uh, the natural energy drink, you know, we pay a lot of money and then it did not work. You know, that's sure. stupid. And of course, you know, you pay, you pay to get in and, and, uh, and you get kicked out and you never see the fridge again. So here you did the opposite. You had a good product that sold and you spent less money to actually get in. Exactly. Nice. What helped you to get into these fridges? But were there any like, you know, tactics that really worked to get you in there and to win the trust of the distributors? Well, every interview I, I made um, and the buyers, they don't want to try. You send them samples, you know, they all yeah. they put them on the side. You know, they don't try them, you know. Right. They get too many samples of... And, and in their words, you know, I've, I've gotten 260 energy drinks here. You think I would try all of them? Mm-hmm. I already don't like the first one, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and all the red rhino and blue dog and pink cow or whatever, you know. And, and so you send them samples, they don't try. So every, so I insist always to get meeting, 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 and, and I have something new and it's good. And the beginning was hard, you know, there's, there's so many beverage startups and, and there's lots of good products out there and good startups with good products. And, and there's just too many products, too much supply and too little buyers, too, too little. So it's really a buyer's market. They decide, yeah, no, 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 no. Sure. And one out in 10 gets meetings. But I could insist my way to meeting. And then I always force the buyers to drink. Well, look, you have to try. Uh, I made my little speech, my little PowerPoint thing, uh, thingy, and then I said, Mom, we have to try. And I really, and no, 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 thanks. I drink, I only drink water. No, no, no. I'm, you have to try. I go, I walk right now. If you don't try. And it's interesting, you know, you can explain all the vitamins and the Swiss and natural and, and uh, modern and whatever. Yeah. And they listen and it's like, it's like, uh, it doesn't really sink in. Uh, but the moment, the beverage go, go through here, it also sinks into the head. You know, it's like the coin falls down in the machine. You know, they understand. And that's amazing. It really, every time I looked at them, they drink and, and they, listen, they listen differently because they get it. If you could explain something between soft drink and water, well, it makes sense. Sure. But it only really, really makes sense when you have tried it. You know? 
And that was always interesting. And most people like it. And people, the buyer, they're also just humans. If they like something, they're more likely to to bring it on and try it. Oh, I want to try it. And if they like if they like you as a person and the product and and his the, on the money side, it's 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 all right. Then uh, he is willing to maybe open a door. This really reminds me a bit on the, of the on shoes story. Uh, we also had them on our show, and they also it was super hard to get people to to try their shoes and to get meetings. And then they did events where people actually had to try them on and walk in them and run in them. And then the magic happened. They felt the difference, and then they placed an order. Mm-hmm. So this is like a very, of course, completely different product, but a very similar setup yeah. um, of how you were able to convince people you had the better product. Mm-hmm. You just had to make to to get it in front of them and let them try it, and then you could take it from there. Exactly, and the trial is very physical reaction that happened, you know, and uh, it's not it's not a, a mental thing. But you think, I mean, all the reasons were on the table. Anybody could understand it, but still, it's to try. It's a whole different angle, right? And in what way was also the timing? You mentioned the wave from Red Bull before, you know, the right product, right timing, right place. In in what way were you also able to better plan or at least understand the wave that you were riding with with Focus Water? Because the timing is also a crucial part that you cannot influence, but you can try to better understand it. So how do you go about that one? I think the timing is the most important thing, really. You know, you can launch anything anytime. If it's the wrong timing, it doesn't work. True. No matter how much money you throw at the problem, and and but I mean we know those uh, uh, vitamin water guys. They had founded in '97, I think. Well, that's US, early. Um, and and I was in the US from 2002 to 2006, or uh, roughly. And I drank them all the time, you know, and, and really every day. And in the beginning, they were hard to find in LA. And after four years, when I left, they were everywhere. And by the time Coca-Cola bought them a year later, they, I think they sold 300 million in the US. So Coca-Cola paid 13 times revenue. Wow. Wow, yeah. That's, Everybody thought it was insane. That's what you get in software recu- startups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's insane. Everyone said they're never going to recuperate the money. That's just too much. How are they going to pay for that? And if you listen, if you go now into the Coke uh, investors' uh, websites, you know, today it's considered to be a successful investment. It's interesting, despite that, uh, that insane price. Anyway, so there was that happening. Coke had bought them in 2007. So in the beverage industry, it was not a, a, a secret anymore. That's vitamin waters. And, um, so, uh, so mo- and mo- many trends come from the US and then they come to Northern Europe and then they come down here. Mm-hmm. So the vitamin well, they had launched in 2008, I think, just okay. a year after the, the, and the focus water original guys, they had launched in 2009. And, and, and so th- the things were happening, you know, and, and no one had done it really yet. And, and that's why we, we, that was surprising thing. Sing- things were happening. Everybody could see it coming, uh, but no, no one had done really anything about it. There was one guy, the Mojo, Mojo Vitamin Water, uh, is one in Switzerland. Okay. He was out there before us, um, and, but we just went out there too. And, and um, a long time we were underestimated. You know, the big ones, the, the, the Cokes, they never launched their product, uh, the, the Rivella or a different story, but all the big ones didn't launch any vitamin water. So I was really left alone in a niche uh, that no one took seriously until it was almost too late, you know, and, and then when Coke came, we were already in the shelves. 
or those guys came. So it was just the lucky, the timing was right, but you could see it coming, everybody could see it coming. And the big ones, they didn't take it too seriously, or Switzerland wasn't important enough for them, you know, to really focus on that. And um, so, yeah. I think that's also a perfect transition to the opponents and supporters part. So the, the big competitors, the big, you know, beverage brands like Rivella, you mentioned in Switzerland or Coca-Cola, they didn't really take that seriously. Why, why not in Switzerland? I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, um, okay. really. Especially Coke. I mean, Coke, they had launched this product mm-hmm. and in, in 17, I think, or in 18. In 18, they launched it in Migo. And sales were actually good, and Migo was happy with them, you know. Okay. And for some reason, they pulled it out of the market again. You know, it was a pan-European decision. Now we don't. They they had tried to launch this in all over Europe, sure. yeah. and they failed. I want to say they launched in France, in in, in Germany. They had so met so met so success in Northern Europe, in Sweden, mm-hmm. and in the UK, yeah. um, but not enough. But they basically, after a few years, they got their ass kicked by Vitamin Well, yeah. and in the Nordics. And so apparently it was just a European decision. We pulled back and the only country where it worked, Switzerland, was then just, yeah, it doesn't matter, it's too small. So that was then, then Silamigo called us and, uh, do you still want to deliver your, your focus water? We said, what's wrong with you? You know, that never happens. No, that was after Coca told them we can't, we don't, we can't deliver this one anymore. So it was just also a coincidence, you know. So not only they didn't come in, they were in that they pulled out again. So they actually brought you a, a very important client in the end. Yeah. Yeah, nice. absolutely, exactly. And uh, it's just about being there. And if we hadn't like knocked at the door a hundred times, then they would have called us. So it's like like everything you st- you have to be lucky to stumble over or stumble over something. But if you don't walk around, you never stumble over anything. True. So so you have to just be there and keep being there, and eventually things fall into place. You know. Yeah. So it's luck, but of course you 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 you. You, you prepare the luck to happen by just walking around. Right. So that's then how you could get the, the timing right, right? By consistently going after, knocking on the door and, and contacting them over and over again. And if the timing is right, they just lost their supplier, then they will call you. Yeah, or I mean, sometimes the buyers, it's, it's insane to how they make their decisions, you know. Um, you, you, you talk to a guy for five years and... Come on, we'll be successful. We sell there, 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 not interesting. The guy goes with his kids mm-hmm. on vacation. They go to the US uh, and they see all the vitamin water there. And they oh, I was on vacation. Great. Yeah, I think time, I, we need your product now. I says, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I mean, it's, 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 it's individual uh, um, decisions based on, on personal stuff. There is no objectivity, you know, that's the insane thing. And you don't know when the buyer, the market might be ready a long time ago and was, but the buyer has to be ready. And mostly the buyers are not the most, um, let's say, modern or, or forward people, you know, they're more, they want to do what works. They don't want to, they're lazy, like everybody is. So now you don't want to waste your time with something that's not going to work. Sure. And, you know, it's a little hassle. You have to kick out somebody else. Uh, it's, it's all hard. And so don't change anything. Yeah. Or change a winning team, you know. True. So, um, but then they go to the US and they see it and they yeah, we need it now. I think uh, I saw it. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, really? It's really funny. But I think the key message here really is you cannot influence the, the, the decision. It's also very emotional and, and shaped by factors that you cannot control. 
but you have to consistently be there, reach out to them, stay in touch, stay in contact. And then when the timing is right, you can exactly. make the deal. Help them to, to make the decision, help to give them the basis to make the decision that when they are ready, for whatever reason also, sure. deals in the buyers, they have uh, background co company interests of their company that we don't know, you know. They have deals, they have maybe deal with Coke, whatever, you don't know. You just don't know. And there's no point fighting against that, you know. You just have to be there for when the moment is right, that it's right. Absolutely. And then you also mentioned Vitamin Well a couple times, and then they also entered the Swiss market. So mm -hmm. basically, huge competitor from Sweden, uh, where your roots are, basically your family roots, enters Switzerland. What did that to your business? Well, at first I was really uh, pissed off that they just um, came in with a lot of money and, and they, they got the, the distribution at uh, Coop, Copronto and Valora, which is a big kiosk, okay? which I had tried to get for forever. Um, and they just walk in and walk right past. Um, they were um, also a startup company from Sweden and they had sold to a big venture capital, um, some venture capital guys, I don't know what they called. And I think with that, those venture guys, they want to probably, the plan is they want to make it big and sell it to Coke eventually or, or something, you know. So they really had the deep pockets. They had a lot of money, uh, which I never had. And they walked past, past me and which really made me, um, angry and, and pissed off, as I said, but, what happened then is it was really successful. So it's a good product. It, it turned really well. Um, so my, my pitch had to change from, look, I'm the only water, the beverage soft drink that is between, between soft drink and water. Mm. Uh, from, um, look, the, the vitamin, the vitamin water is the category is thriving. It's going really well. Uh, we have the Swiss vitamin water. So that, that my pitch had changed, you know, because suddenly I was like, um, they were like coming in and quickly at our level. Now I guess they're a bit ahead. It's a, well, probably they have a bit more. Um, but they really helped to enlarge the market, you know, they really helped to get, create awareness. They really helped to get new consumers. And I still think we have the better product quality wise, you know, but it's a Swiss product in Switzerland. That's always better. Um, we have no preservatives and all that. So people who learn the category with them because they find it in Coop, eventually they will come to our product. Yeah. So I, I see it then from being really pissed at the beginning. I see it uh, as a positive thing. It really helped us to boost the sales also. Right. So sales between 17 and, and 20 went up uh, uh, much more like exponentially. Um, also, I think thanks to those guys. Nice. So they really helped you to uh, access that hockey stick growth. Probably, maybe. M maybe we would also have done it ourselves. Right. Know? Um, but maybe even higher. Who knows? Longer, maybe exactly. You don't really know. Yeah. But I, I just say we haven't suffered from it. Um, uh, our curve goes up as well as, as does theirs. The, the one suffering is, of course, the classic soft drinks, you know, the Cokes, the Fantas, the Sprites uh, that no one drinks anymore for all the right reasons. Yeah. One thing when we look at the support, as you already mentioned, Migro is an important partner, for example. But one thing that really struck with me is that you didn't take on any investors. So you basically, uh, you know, it's you and, and, and uh, your co-founder who basically uh, owned the company and the people from Focus Water. Why didn't you take any investors on board? And how did you make sure that you were able to finance the, the production, everything? Well, it's not quite right. Um, uh, Conrad, he, in the beginning, he invested uh, a few hundred thousand, like uh, two, two hundred thousand something. 
And then in 2017, um, we got an investor for growth. We needed some growth capital. Okay. Uh, we sold him like 15%. Okay. But very small. I mean, it's a little bit. Uh, we got in like um, a million then. Yeah. No, no, no. 700,000, whatever. Oh. Um, yeah. Wow. And uh, but we needed that because the growth, we had to finance the growth, you know. Sure. And, and once the growth is happening, um, um, yeah, you easily find investors. But we didn't. Maybe we should have gotten more investors earlier to grow faster, maybe. You never know. I mean, but is that investors is, is, is just like you give away not only shares, you give away um, um, you have people who, who, who um, as we said in the beginning, I don't like people who tell me what to do. So, <laughs> so um, if you have investors, of course, you have to uh, report, you have to they put money on the table into your company. So you have to deal with them, you have to pamper them, you have to help them. And, and we just always said, well, we'll go for investors if we need them, you know, if the water is here. But as long as we don't need it, um, we try to do any, everything we can to, to not having to go this way. But looking back, like, this is not something that you regret not having brought investors on earlier. No, I don't think so. If I hadn't sold to Revella, um, now would have been the time where I would have needed investors because of the hockey stick uh, development you know, right. to finance yeah. that. Yeah. Sure, because for the increasing production, you also need more working capital, right? So more working capital, but not necessarily investors. I don't know if we had probably made, rather gone for a, um, a friend, uh, for um, friend capital um, to, the lo sure. to loans, like rather loan, loan yeah. than investors maybe, because if you know it's... It's only um, to finance growth. Sure. It'd be stupid to give it away to investors. Right. Yeah, let's also quickly talk about the numbers. So in 2017, you achieved your economic breakthrough with 2 million in sales. And then you said that was really like the hockey stick curve that then took off. So in 2018, it was 3 million and 6.5 million in 2019. I think that's a really, really nice growth. And this year it'll be 10 million. Wow. Despite nice. Corona. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, people want to stay healthy, so they drink more vitamin water. Exactly. <laughs> and you are not only active in Switzerland right now, but also in Austria, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Greece, and also in, in the UK. And then the big thing happened in 2019, right? When you sold Focus Water to Rivella. Mm -hmm. Please walk us through how that deal happened. Like, how did that happen and why was it the right time and moment to sell the company? Well, I know the Rivella guys. I've known them for a long time. Um, and they in, they always have these five-year cycles, I think, uh, where they decide a strategy. Okay. And in the, in the last five-year cycle in 2000, I think, 16 or 17, um, they're good people. They know what they have to do. And, and they understand also the soft drinks market is not going to get easier. Um, they understand, they understood that they need to do something. They've trying, they've been trying to innovate themselves. Um, a lot and they still are and uh, basically they they had then decided we need to innovate cooperate or or or, or, um, or take over companies um, in order to to um, build the future you know because to build the future only on a soft drink uh, with with uh, 40 calories per hundred is a dangerous uh, proposition so they knew that and we had been talking all the time and that they had created a team for that measure for the cooperation, um, innovation, and, and um, 
acquisition and the team had been scouting lots of marriage companies around Switzerland and, and they had been innovating and being cooperating. It's called the Chin Chin team. I don't know if you know that, but well, they have an innovation team. And uh, they had looked at a lot of companies in Switzerland or even external to potentially buy, to acquire. And and um, so we were always in contact and, and um, after we were talking like for over a year, um, first there was like some, they wanted to do something, but it was not, uh, not as much as we, as we were willing to give it for. And now I always said, I don't, we don't have to sell. We didn't have to, we didn't have a need to sell. I didn't, it was a good situation. I said, look, if the price is right, we can have it. If not, not. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just, um, uh, so I was, it was a seller's market. It was a seller's, um, market at this point. So, uh, you know, it's much harder to negotiate if you have your water here and you have to sell. Sure. And this is a look from this price, I sell and below not. Yeah. So they eventually came to, to what we wanted, Conrad and I and, and the others. After having looked at a lot of companies, I mean, and they just said, look, the focus water is like the, it's a perfect fit for us. For, um, you have to ask them why, uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, it's Swiss, it's a category that's thriving. Vitamin water came in very successful. Uh, was, everything was, the, the hockey stick was visible. Um, they, they, um, yeah, from that point of view, we were a unique uh, acquisition case and they knew it. And, and for us, they were a, a unique uh, partner. Also, there's only one rival in Switzerland, and that was also the reason why uh, we knew the hockey stick was going to go up. And and uh, we all thought, oh, is it too early? Should we wait two more years, you know, and sure. triple the volume and then sell for much, much more, you know? But then was again, that was the reason also. Or the, the, one of the reasons was then we would have needed a lot of investors of, of external money. We would have really have to change the structures here also. This is a little startup company, you know. We really would have to set up a more professional structure, as I said in the beginning. We would have to administrate this business more properly um, and do all the right things to get there. And, 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 um, and then you don't know, Rivella wouldn't, if you had turned them down, we, they wouldn't have come again, uh, probably. And then you don't know, is Coke interested to buy a little Swiss vitamin water? Is Nestle interested, you know? So there was lots of uh, things that were not sure that led us to, look, this is the right moment and this is the right time to sell now to this partner that is a unique partner, so the biggest Swiss soft drink producer. He's only in Switzerland too. Uh, of course, there's only one thing I regret. I would have liked to sell to an international partner, to Red Bull, for example, because okay. then our baby would be all over the world. Now sure. it's it, it, now the chances that it's going to be visible in New Zealand someday are smaller than if we had an international partner. But besides that, it's really a, um, a, a partnership uh, from heaven for all, all the right reasons and for us and for them. You know. Makes sense. And also, if you had, you know, decided to move forward with the growth path, uh, you would have probably had to invest way more time in reportings and number crunching. Not a too attractive outlook, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned the sales price that you and Conrad had in mind. Um, what was the number that you were talking about where you said, this is the price that we are accepting to we sell? We talked about it before, right? The 13 times revenue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately not. We were like much more modest. 
No, I, I don't. I can't uh, um, communicate any specific numbers, but it was a it was a sales multiple. Let's put okay. it that way. It was a sales multiple, which for uh, this rather conservative Swiss environment uh, and also for Rella was a was a, was a big step to take, mm-hmm. um, and and um, that's why we're the more happy that uh, things worked out. The growth path has continued with Rivella. Rivella is super happy to have the product. They're all excited about it. They make the, the our big our baby bigger now, and eventually they'll pass the vitamin well again. Yeah, nice. So just to put that into perspective, I know you're not going to say any specific numbers, but then if you think about multiples, 2019, 6.5 million revenue. So you must have sold somewhere between 10 and 20 million probably, or even a bit higher than that. No, 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 probably not. Probably lower because it's not the 19 numbers that counted, it's 18 numbers. Okay, fair point. So it was between 5 and 10 million approximately. Probably. Okay, cool. And what did that also mean for you on a personal level? I mean, suddenly you have, you know, you are able to sell your shares in the company and you have money coming into your bank account. How did that change you as a, as a person? Not much really. I thought it would change more. Um, okay. In um, what way? I don't know. It's something you always want. And when you have it, it's then uh, it doesn't really change anything. Um, well, I was going to go on a, on a sabbatical. I was going to take the motorbike and drive down to Cape Town from, from Zurich uh, in January, in, in three months. But that's not going to happen now, thanks to Corona. So that uh, it, all, the, all those plans have changed. I was going to take a half a year off, you know, and really do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that will have to wait. And, and of course, now from the end of the year, um, I still have the, the earnout period is over. I had two earnout years, like in 19 and in 20. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of going on a motorbike trip, I found a new company and we'll start something new. Um, or we have already started a little bit something new. And um, so things go on. But of course, it gives a certain, you're more relaxed maybe. Um, you know that you have the flexibility or the freedom to really do what you want uh, more than before when you ha- sometimes you had to obliged to things that you didn't really like. So it gives a bit more freedom even, which I like a lot, you know. So it gives you independence and freedom and there cannot be enough of that ever. Right. So you talked about the new project and also said that the full integration will happen at the end of the year. The year not will be over. So what will your new project be? What will you focus on from next year onwards? Well, it sounds it sounds uh, uh, maybe, maybe um, cheesy, um, but we will, uh, a friend of mine and I, we have created a company and we will launch a hard seltzer. Nice. Which is the same wave. Um, we're, we're waiting for the wave. We're hoping for the wave. We think the wave will come. Mm-hmm. And when it comes, we want to be there. You know, so we're waxing the surfboard right now. And, and soon going to get out in January, we're going to go out on the water and then, uh, then see, see what happens, you know. So that's just the opportunity that we think it's a pretty unique opportunity now and we want to see if it works. Sure. Um, we have, we are in the process, uh, process, uh, um, uh, on the weekends and the evenings, uh, of course, to, to create a brand, to, uh, create the content and, um, to, um, build something that we can then start really working with in January. 
So really an entrepreneur at heart from one startup to the next. Yeah, at this point, um, it seems like that, you know. But awesome. things just happen, you know. I, as I said, I stumble into things. It's not, there's no master sure. plan. It's just like uh, Africa was off, uh, this is coming, and we just said that uh, this partner of mine is that, well, let's create a company, let's do it. I said, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, let's do it, you know. And then you jump. And, and uh, that's a bit something that I guess I hadn't all the time, you know. There is like a, a path in the career in what I've done and it all makes sense but still it all seems like it all happened but it all kind of it follows each there's there's a, it's a continuity in it but then in in the everyday it's a lot of uh, spontaneous uh, uh, decisions and reactions right cool so now we covered the story from you know the Red Bull days the early days to the Rivella exit basically with Focus Water and to wrap up this episode, I have some rapid fire questions prepared for you. I give you a choice of two or three options and you have to make one choice. Are you ready? Yeah. And also don't forget to quickly explain in one sentence, if possible, why you made the choice. So let's start. Red Bull or Focus Water? Focus Water. Clear choice. Because it's my baby. Red Bull was um, my, my good friend uh, that I followed a lot and, and uh, Focus my baby. And if you had to choose between Rivella and Focus Water? Focus Water, for the same okay. reason. Yeah, makes sense. Online or offline marketing? Offline. Because I'm old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but of course, I'm not a digital native. And, and um, I mean, the online marketing is super exciting and what you can do with it and all. But it's less, it is, it is less real. It's like drinking a beverage or talking about it, you know. And so, so the, the real life interaction, I think, still think the beverage industry is important because it's a real life thing that goes down your throat. And that. Yes. so it's nothing that's online. Re beverage is offline per definition. Right. And the next one, local champion or international uh, niche player? That's a good one. I wouldn't know. I mean, we were now the local champion, of course. Um, probably I would find it more interesting to be an international niche player. I think that's cooler somehow, but local champions are good too. Probably also because now you did the local champion game and now you want to do something that you haven't done, right? Maybe, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. And the last one for you, you have Swedish roots, but you grew up and live in Switzerland. So Sweden or Switzerland? Switzerland. I mean, I've been here all my life. Um, I'm very, very happy about my Swedish roots. Uh, my genes are there. My parents are still there too, some of them. Um, uh, but my hometown is Zurich and not Stockholm. Got it. But Stockholm is still a great visit still for a great summer, town, right? And Sweden is a great country and great people. They yeah. make great products also. But here is my home and, and uh, no question. I prefer also the mountains to the, the ocean. Fair point. Leif, thank you so much for sharing your story, your impressive story with us today. It was a pleasure talking to you and we wish you all the best with the successful integration and the new venture that's coming up. Thank you very much. Now that you've finished listening to the episode, why not top it off with a quick rating on Apple Podcasts? It's one of the best things that you can do to help us reach more entrepreneurs just like you.